If you're like me, you probably have a closet full of local band merch. And whether you know it or not, a lot of that band merch was probably made by Divine Shirt Company right here in Winnipeg. Divine Shirt Company has made all of the Great Witch Police merch from our hoodies to our toques to our t-shirts. And if you're looking to get anything done, like screen printing, embroidery, graphic design, digital printing, go to see Divine Shirt Company at divineshirtcompany.ca and tell them which police radio sent you. One of our colleagues, Sam Thompson, who, um, if you saw him, you'd sort of right away assume he was a hippie. Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Which police radio? Which police radio? Which police radio? Which police radio? Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Which police radio? Right, welcome to Wish Police Radio. I'm here with a returning guest. Um, I was trying to think of when the last time I talked to you was, and I think it was right at the beginning of the pandemic. And the reason that I, I, I mentioned that is because, um, well, first of all, before we do any of that, why don't you introduce yourself and give a bit of background about who you are and what you do? Because I like to start the shows that way and get the guests to uh, sort of give their own take on what it is they do as, as an artist. Okay, uh, sure. My name is Scott Nolan. I'm a songwriter and... Uh musician <laughs> from Winnipeg, Manitoba. Cool. And so like I was saying, um, I had you, I had you on a few times on the show and the last time was, I think at the beginning of the pandemic, because you had these, this big lineup of shows scheduled for the park theater. It was a residency and, uh, it was a very exciting thing that was happening as a way to make shows happen during a time when shows weren't really happening very much. And that obviously, because of the way things went with, with COVID and, with restrictions and things like that. That didn't really happen. Did it happen at all? Or was it? Uh... It happened once, yeah. And uh, it was fairly early on in the pandemic, but it was early in uh, a pretty serious part of it. People were, it was the beginning of being afraid. Yeah. So we got a very modest audience. And I mean, we started the idea at the West End when we were recording this record and uh, and, and kind of took it further at the park and the basic idea was um uh you know where you have the the groups in the center of the room and the audience around the the group and i, I remember um i can't remember if it was the maddies it, it was somebody um, that that i'm familiar with that come to a lot of shows uh, that said to me you know we chose to sit behind joanna like so you know you really could kind of go in the room and go hmm you know i think i'd like to sit behind joanna and see the mechanics of that and what it sounds like it feels like that from that part of the room and so you had that visual and then of course the the sound was you know um comparable to a normal show so yeah glenn uh glenn Buer that uh that i've made this new record with he did this kind of stuff a bit with uh um him and bramwell toby started the the new music festival Okay. And I remember when I first went, it was Joanna Miller, in fact, that took me to my first one. And I, I'd never seen um, um, classical or, or, or symphony music performed. And uh, and so it was the new music, and there were bleachers on the stage. And I remember going in and going, what the? And, and she said, oh, we could go sit up there if you want. I thought, oh, my God, I couldn't believe it. And so it's very different. It's very different than your traditional audience member thing. And uh, so, yeah, it was that. We were trying to kind of do that. Create a little bit of the Blue Note vibe, you know, where um, 
we would have tried to keep it um, tight but loose. So every week was different and uh, different material. And um, yeah, I mean, that's how I started and, and, and built up my career, at least locally, was um, doing these things that um, looking back at them now, whether it was deliberate or not, you know, it was almost like some sort of installation of sorts where you saw something really grow. Ten years at the Bella Vista alone, you yeah. the songwriting grew. It, it um, if you cared for it, you could see all this stuff happening in real time. You know, which I think is uh, that's what I grew up seeing and being influenced by. So, well, it's a cool way to sort of even over a short period to sort of grow with the artists that you're that you're going to see as well. I mean, just watching the ins and outs, uh, whether it's night after night or month after month or however uh, something like that is set up, just just give them a chance to to especially when with songs that are often developing too on stage. I mean, you can see different versions and and the way that. Uh, things kind of change until you hear the, the finished recorded version and that's might be different than the past three times you heard the song and even after the recorded version i mean ultimately one thing's for sure the holmes brothers uh who got to know the great gospel blues group i mean they really um made clear to me the concept of the whole being greater than the sum of its parts and that you know, the drummer could speed up and slow down and the, you know, there were certain things that were like maybe musical vulnerabilities within the group. But when the three men played together, they had something that you couldn't, no level of kind of virtuosity could, could achieve that. It was, it was just physical hours in a room in church through boyhood to where I feel like Joanna and I have this and you know uh, Paul uh, Balkane who uh, is playing in the in the group uh, has on and off from my whole career he's always kind of maybe almost right away had that some ability to um, or willingness you know to hear whatever it was I was trying to do and and uh, augment it you know yeah yeah. Well, so, and I mean, obviously this whole situation the world has been in, this has clearly affected the plans to release this record, I'm sure. I mean, uh, you know, it's been, it's been two years. I imagine you had some of those songs uh, figured out well before this release is coming up. What has it been like sort of having this enforced, um, you know, separation from other musicians that, that you would normally be working with on a regular basis and just this sort of, I guess, enforced solitude, really, you know, um, over the past two years as a creative person, as an artist. I already really lived that way, to be truthful. Yeah. It actually maybe had less of an impact on me than, than many. And um, um, this project, uh, it, had our, it's, it was already kind of an over a few years kind of concept in that um, I had written the songs and created these work tapes that kind of were where Glenn began okay. initially creating arrangements and then ultimately creating kind of what we both call expansions. Cause you know, there is a collaborative thing that happened. He's, he's taking music I wrote, but he's reimagining certain parts of it. And, and it was really at my encouragement, the first couple things we did were, were kind of very thoughtful, and and brilliant arrangements but i was the one that kind of encouraged him to uh, turn up the you could turn up the glen okay i could hear a little bit more of that in there and that's then to me i I feel like it was a a song on the record called patron saint of broken hearts i feel like there was that shift uh suddenly there was like this really long intro and long outro to an otherwise 
regular Scott Nolan song, you know? And, and I thought, oh my, that was the first time I had a, wow, like I was really, uh, the, the possibilities and uh, the beauty of it became like, I thought, okay, you know, that's, so, um, but it was already a long, over a long-term thing. So now I don't know, really, I can't say as, um, I have little to complain about and the yeah. timeline of this project, um, I don't know that it was that impacted. The waiting on the vinyl was a little bit impacted, but even that, you know, and I think Glenn and I have this in common. I mean, for me, I've been doing this particular type of thing, which is different than what he does for mm -hmm. a long time. And the urgency is not what it was for me as a 20 or 30 year old person. You know, the, I've never, in fact, I've never even uh, looked at like Spotify numbers and I've never touched any of those things. Yeah. Convinced myself a long time ago, for better, for worse, whatever they were, probably wouldn't be good for me <laughs> in some way or another, you know, really. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. What's, what's, it, what's, it worth to my, what's it worth to my goal and, and my kind of – so, um, but anyway, um, so yeah, we had to – we. We hired Roberta Landreth, who helped us do this beautiful layout. So there was layers to this, you know, the the LP in particular. Um, we wanted to make something that was a substantial piece of art that you could hold in your hands. And so there's a booklet, and there's a lot of uh, my collages in there, as yeah. well as a, a beautiful lithograph from Charles Simpson from, I don't know, 1930 maybe. And so there's all these kind of neat things. So it was like... Yeah, there was a lot to it, so I never really felt rushed or worried. And uh, and then we've uh, we started working with a little um, kind of very small, uh, I think, um, PR firm in Montreal that are already kind of um, already showing us all the things we we don't know, you know. So it, it's fun, you know. It's it's um, it's different than you know. The record business has changed for one, even since oh, yeah. I last put out a record, and I've never really done those jobs, so. I don't bring any skill to the table in, 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 in a lot of regards. So, yeah, the timeline's been, been fine for me. And even the show coming up, um, the way this whole thing began was the Penderecki String Quartet were here in Winnipeg playing, uh, um, I believe, the Agassiz Festival. Okay. And Glenn, uh, they're, they're, they're all old, dear friends. Glenn, they were all at Laurier University in, um, um, in Kitchener-Waterloo. Um, in the music program for years so it you know from him and I kind of uh, creating this in our minds to like okay here we go here's the arrangements and charts yeah we, I got the Pendrecki string chord um, um, now they just happen to be back <laughs> you know so and really the even with the timing of it a part of the reason we chose the matinee was it was their last day here and I, I thought, geez, I have no, I have no problem with a, a matinee show, and they're kind of interesting and fun, and yeah. So, yeah, like like the way this whole project began, we're going to release it locally, um, that same way. Like, oh, geez, we're all in one place. Let's just do this right now. And so, yeah, it's um, it's all kind of just things take their natural course. I, I stopped sure. fighting those currents. They can they can really exhaust you and. Uh, that's a young person's uh, struggle, I think. Uh. Yeah. 
I mean, this is maybe a better question for Glennon, but he's not here. But what do you think it is that he um, sees in your songwriting that, that works for him? Because, I mean, there's obviously, you know, something that you hear in his music that, that make, made you want to collaborate with him. But what do you think it is that he, uh, the other way around? What do you think it is that he has kind of uh, 
found when listening to your your previous music that that made him want to collaborate with you? Well, you know, he when he first approached me, it was just a very thoughtful um, note that he sent me. And I mean, Glenn, like myself, he writes songs, he plays guitar and different stuff, more in the realm that of, of what I do, but also is known kind of professionally more in the classical, and I think in some cases jazz kind of uh, world. Um, when we met, a couple things came up um, right away with us. I mean, he'd kind of introduced himself and talked about his background and stuff, and then, you know, was curious. Um, my background's not a formal one, so mm -hmm. his curiosity is coming from a, a formal background and, and being a, you know, essentially a doctor of music. He's taught and, and trained countless musicians. He had an interest in my uh, production and that sort of stuff from a non-schooled point, so he was curious about how I might have arrived at some of these um, places. And then ultimately, you know, we he was talking about classical music and saying, you know, even going back to the new music years, the the audience that keep those symphonies working are an, are an older audience, and they don't want new music. They yeah. want the old songs. And so he was just kind of, you know, asking my thoughts on, you know, how do you how do we retain relevancy in, in in this case in his in the classical world and you know I kind of my immediate response was the was the folk thing you know thinking about uh, some conversations I'd had with Mitch Podolik and kind of being exposed to his world as a young guy and not a folk guy at all you yeah. know just kind of watching it and like there was there was some cultural stuff and some political stuff. There was lots to it. You know, it was a different world for me. And folk, as I saw it as a young guy, just observing it, it wasn't like just the type of song that you sang. It was, it was how you maybe identified and lived and your values and these sorts of things. And so I'd kind of suggested to Glenn that I think maybe what we've hit at this kind of hundred some odd year mark is people want to hear their stories again. They're, hear their street names, their neighborhoods, their, you know, and yeah. and these songs I'd been writing, I mean, historically for me, I write when I travel, and so much of my career, the locations I'm being influenced by are, are often American cities. It's just kind of happenstance, right? Yeah. And I stopped traveling and, and began living a quieter life, I suppose I would call it. I really immediately began writing about my neighborhood and what was around me. And I'd become aware of, a, there was a number of local painters that lived around here and sculptors. And so I was like, oh, you know, I'd become really fascinated by that. And so, and that's what these songs became. They were our street names and our stories. And so in a way, uh, that first meeting we had, you know, it, it kind of led to this and, and I feel like that's what this is. I don't feel like it's a roots Americana guy with strings. It's not right, that. Right, right, yeah. And I um, I have, I honestly have no real prediction, you know, strangely, what people, how people will respond to it. But I feel really, I, I joke to somebody that, heaven forbid, it's the last thing I ever get to do. I could live with that. And part of that reason is it, it it um, as different as it sounds, it it's still what I've always done. 
and maybe just kind of a, a richer, broader palette and some different instrumentation. But um, one thing's for sure, it was kind of a dream to to get to explore these songs this way. And I think about um, something Towns Van Zant said, you know, his three favorite artists, I believe, were Lightning Hopkins, David Olney, and uh, and Beethoven. Okay. And um, well, maybe it was Mozart. Anyway, I I, um, I got to know David Olney and, and played on a session with him one time, and I could see immediately what Towns saw in him, and, and there was like a, a Shakespearean thing and a classical thing. It was... It was really authentic, really interesting, really like well-informed human being and wrote these, you know, really, I mean, utterly unique songs. So, yeah. uh, again, I think of getting to work with Glenn, it's like, you know, who would have, who would have, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I hadn't even dreamt it yet, you know, to kind of get to, to expand these ideas. and Yeah. Why'd you have to leave so soon? I sang at night. So many broken hearts. So right, all right, all right. Songs of mercy, songs of joy. She who brought the light. Buffalo heart medicine. All right, all right, all right My love is mountains As much as the sea And this is right Where I want to be She whose name Is in the wind Spirit's free let love in A morning on the mountaintop Too tired to fight I'll be the space where the light gets in All right, all right, all right Love is like a memory to which we hold on tight Where everything is everything All right, all right, all right My love is mountains as much as the sea and this is right what I want to be name is in the wind spirits free to let love in my love is mountains as much as the sea and this is right where I want to be she whose name is in the wind 
Spirit's free to let love in. said a minute ago about the sense of place in in songs and you know that you were influenced in your travels and you know by, by other countries and other cities and where you were at the time i always like hearing music regardless of genre i find that uh, a lot of really good hip-hop does this well where they are um talking about a very very specific location like whether it's you know it, it could be right down to a like you're saying a neighborhood rather than a city rather than a country and even if i don't have a frame of reference for where they are i haven't been there I, you know I, i'm living in winnipeg but i i like it when you get so kind of absorbed into that place and you you feel like you recognize it even if it's it's so outside your own experience and i think that there's a i mean as a listener of, of music in general I, I feel like people do it either one way or the other they, they do that and really immerse you in that location they're singing about or rapping about or whatever or it seems distant and it seems like a separate thing that you can't really understand and so do you do you feel like this this record is something that people who aren't from the area people who are you know from other countries other cities will be able to find themselves in in these locations you're talking about in these street names sure, these... Yeah. i mean i hope so again i don't know if i get to make that uh sure uh, that uh um comment but uh, but i think so i hope so and um um the suburbs are a theme you know there are themes that are you know i think fairly universal and uh you know there's like it's there's audio it's kind of autobiographical in a way you know not in like a, a, a schmaltzy hokey way but um 
there's a song called Candy from kind of my very young boyhood um, that I kind of refer to as my first kind of older woman and that she was a couple years older than me, but, you know, um, had more experience than me. I was aware of it, even as a kid. Yeah. I was with this girl that felt like tough and cool and like, you know, like she knew shit I didn't. Sure, yeah. I, mean, I remember kind of really feeling that. And so all these years later, it, it, it came out in a little song for her. And and, um, and I think there's, uh, yeah, I, I hope I hope so, you know. I love that about John Sampson, you know. Yeah. I think people think about and wonder about Winnipeg by his songs and and i think people see my winnipeg you know like i'm at and hopefully like you know uh um in fact i uh, yeah i i know these things are ready to be true so i i hope that this is my uh, i hope i hope mine has that kind of impact too and but you know even yeah it's it just the whole thing's been a great experience it it um it's all these last bunch of years that kind of tie together um my book of poetry, which is um, very influenced by this immediate area. Yeah, I mean, there's poems in that book that have become songs on this record, and so I I never really done that. Writing poetry was still new enough to me that I hadn't yet just kind of put a poem to music. So there's no traditional kind of rhyming or patterns that I would normally use in, in songwriting. So I did that, which was a um, kind of opened up a new area to explore and then um the book of poetry the the cover was a collage that was gifted to me by guy madden i hadn't yet okay made a collage myself uh, ever and uh the, the the book was made under a period where i was kind of um struggling with some issues that i needed to deal with and overcome and and that kind of became uh, the reward i think for the effort of doing it and and then to flash forward to another moment of of difficulty for me and and collage, just like I've had of just instantly became a thing, and I I dove really kind of headfirst into that, and and um, so this record is interesting in that it's all those things in one place. Uh, yeah, the last three years, uh, or I'd I'd say even more, are all in this record. So you know, it's. Um, and when I say I have no idea how people react to it, I, kind of what I mean by that is I might hope that it was like over a bottle of red wine or something. My hope, I don't know. My late friend Patrick O'Connell, uh, when he gave me um, new work of his, like uh, particularly gave me a chapbook um, toward the end of his life called Repertoire for Beggars. Okay. And he asked me to read it in one sitting. Like I remember being getting a kick out of the fact that he'd give give me this work of his but then asked me if if you don't mind <laughs> could you read it in, in one sitting and I, I you know i won't i won't do that myself but yeah my hope is that people hear it that way i don't know if hearing it in the car maybe is you know i don't know it, it's just it's uh, but i think it's something that you can kind of engage with and another reason i like the the lp part of it is you know it's um it's broken into sides yeah. that I really, that I think uh, have a nice quality. If you ever saw, there was a play years ago, I Dream of Diesel. Did you ever see that? I don't think so, no. It was uh, based on um, a, a collection of songs of mine from over the years. And it was um, 
one trunk theater company. It, it was an amazing, amazing thing. And, and I'd never, again, I'd never dreamt of such a thing that it just, here it is. And, and I loved getting to know the, the writers and the directors and the team. And uh, I kind of, I had some influence on the, the, the script a little bit just by telling stories of my life. And then ultimately there was like a, you know, a two or three week kind of sold out run of it. And I don't know how many times I went, I just, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And, uh, um, I went for a walk recently with the woman that wrote that play and, and, and just said, you know, given how beautiful I dream a diesel was, I feel like this record is, you know, it's, it's dying to be realized that way. And so, and we talked about ideas, ideas I had already. And, um, you know, I, I've really come to the point where I realize I love, this is the part I love the most about these things, um, is the, uh, just the building of yeah. seeing, seeing how far you can kind of take it and stretch it. And yeah, I could put this record out and tour exhaustively all over the place and do all that kind of stuff, or I could just keep building it till I feel like, okay, that's, that's it, you know, but anyway, in the meantime, we got the, the matinee coming up and, uh, yeah, it's exciting. It's, uh, it's been a heck of a journey. Hold on 
Damon Mitchell on the electric guitar.
What are the uh, details on the matinee? Because people will be hearing this before the show happens. So uh, how do people check it out and uh, get tickets, tickets, all that stuff? I believe tickets are 30 or $35. They're a little more than our average ticket, maybe. But, I mean, we got the incredible string quartet with the, with uh, joining our our regular group, which is very exciting. Yeah. And uh, it's a 2 p.m. show. It's... Uh, Jeez, I hope I got all this right. Sunday. Well, Sunday, I'll, I'll link to it too in the show notes, so people can find it that way too. So yeah. Yeah. Sunday, June the twelfth. It's kind of a, we're doing it in collaboration with the Western Cultural Center, and I just you know it's the right venue. We recorded uh, part of the record there, oh, cool. and, and uh, I've been working with Jorge on um, some visual projects in my studio, and and so yeah, just uh, it's exciting to uh, you know how easily this music will travel or, you know, we've already had one additional show um, come up from this one that isn't quite yet confirmed, but so it's exciting. You know, I, I just, it's new to me. And uh, another nice thing is, you know, Glenn and I have produced the record together yeah, and he's also kind of executive produced the whole affair. So, you know, I'm really kind of happy to ride shotgun and, and like, yeah, I like a great team, and I'm not super fussy on what, you know. I mean, my strengths are clear, and the rest aren't strengths. So <laughs> you have a great team, or you know, people assume things are good at. And Glenn is, Glenn is really terrific at. Um, I love how he treats musicians. You know, there's such structure and detail. Um, you know, people get paid well and treated well. It's, you know, I love that stuff. So. I can kind of uh, happily just let him take charge because there's a lot of details, you know, yeah. while making all these schedules work. And uh, for as many times of, as we've done this, he'll he'll continually have to alter the charts now because this configuration is unique to anything we've done yet. So he has to go in and <laughs> make new arrangements to suit the instrumentation. And But it's another reason why it's, um, it's just an exciting thing to, to, to capture in this in its kind of infancy because yeah. um like like all those years of uh of, you know bella wednesdays and stuff you really get to see uh it's a different vantage the last time we did this at the WEC was with a, a 12-piece chamber orchestra oh well that's a so good vibe yeah yeah now there's nine of us and it's still the broad scope musically but i love that it's kind of anchored in our in our group and, and Glenn and I share uh, a lot of history with, you know, it's kind of, you know, I work with this group really uh, with the exception of Glenn, um, Gilles Fournier, Joanna Miller, and Paul, Paul Bokin go back to my first record. So they've been with me my, my whole career in some capacity. So that's also pretty cool. And we all met and uh, began our friendships and relationships at the Bluto. Everything, so, everything goes back to Blue Note, There's a lot of other important places. Sure. There's a lot of mojo in that reality, right? That we, uh, one that we're still friends after all this time. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's hard to do. It's hard to do because you, uh, you move around, you play with one group, you play with another. It, it, it's different for songwriters, I think, a little bit than musicians because sometimes – it can be insensitive, you know. A, a musician might wonder why they're on one gig and they're not on another, or they're not on the record, but they're on the gig. There's, you know, 
so much to that stuff. And sometimes you can overlook the details. Again, that's why I like this with Glenn, where there's, um, you know, it's a real refined kind of process where everybody gets the same information. It's it's good information. It's, yeah. Everything's broken, everything's free now. 
free now, free.